Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of The Why Behind the What, where the what can start a conversation, but the why can open up one's soul. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I am so grateful you are listening today. First off, a few shout outs to our new listeners uh, listening from Mexico and Japan. Hello, you are awesome. Thank you for making this podcast an international one. So glad to have you here. Growing up, my dad used to always tell me life was about relationships. It it was one of those mantras that my dad seemed to say all the time, even at times it didn't really make sense. Uh, When a friend would come over, life is all about relationships, Nathan. When we spent time with family, life is all about relationships. When we mowed the lawn or cleaned up our bedroom or brushed our teeth, life is all about relationships, Nathan. But it took years for me, uh, living on my own, to realize the truth of this statement. When I first realized it was true, I was living in a small town in Tennessee, working at a regional theater, performing some pretty bad theatrical productions. Uh, While I was there, I became good friends with a castmate named Mike. Now, Mike was this phenomenal actor, absolutely brilliant in how he brought a character to life. Mike was an atheist, I was a Christian, Mike was a registered Democrat, at the time I was a registered Republican, Mike was a self-proclaimed philosopher, and I could barely spell philosopher. Almost every night after our show, uh, Mike and I went across the street from the theater to this pub where we had dark beer, chicken fingers, and french fries. Now we were there every night so the waitstaff basically knew our order, so we'd walk in, sit down, and our goodies would magically arrive. Now, while we were there drinking beer and eating fries and chicken wings, uh, we talked all things theater, all things politics, and all things religion. Uh, We debated with one another. We heard why we believed what we believed. We asked one another questions. And we talked about all these things an atheist and a Christian customarily shouldn't be talking about, let alone talking about in a bar of all places. Now, one night full of fries and beers, we made our way back to our apartment after an hours of conversation. And Mike eventually came into my bedroom and wished me good night. And as he did so, he said, Nathan, I want you to know, I'll never fight you over your beliefs. You live out what you believe, and I respect that. Now, I want to say that I said something great in response, like, yeah, thanks, Mike. I believe the same for you. Same to you. Yeah, Uh, I'll never fight you. But I was probably too tired, and I think I might have just said, ditto, same here. And as I got into bed that night, I said out loud my dad's mantra, life is all about relationships. And my relationship with Mike was one of those wonderful, wonderful things that made me think in new ways, that, that challenged me, that uh, taught me so much. And it was a rich time in my life. Now, one day I'll have Mike on the show, and we're going to talk all things politics and all things religion and all things theater. And it will be incredible. Now, on today's podcast, I have another good friend named Jeffrey. Uh, He is one of those guys that has really made me realize the importance of relationships. Uh, He and I worked together in Virginia. We were both Jim Henson puppeteers for a while. We were roommates in Chicago for a season, and we've been friends for numerous years. Jeff appears also in my book a few times, and he's one of those guys that has positively influenced my life, my thinking, and my theology, probably much more than he even realizes. Uh, My relationship and friendship with Jeff 
uh, it's one of those things that matters so much to me. It matters more to me than our differences. And if you read my book, you'll learn uh, and you'll hear these stories about how I think relationships matter and how I think they matter sometimes more than our theological opinions. And our relationships matter so much, they are the things that keep us united even when we have uh, a list of differences. So we recorded this podcast earlier in the summer uh, due to a handful of events um, and uh, some scheduling things. We've postponed it until now, but I'm excited to share this with you. So here we go. Enjoy this interview with my good friend, Jeffrey. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. Jeff is a good friend of mine. We have, man, we've known each other a long time. We've been roommates. We've yeah. been coworkers. We've been um, good friends. I, you were in my wedding. Um, so Jeff and I have, um, yeah, we have long time. We, 13, we have a history. We do. <laughs> it makes it sound much more important than it, than That's it is. That's right, but, yeah. Um, it, 13, 14 years I was trying to figure out, actually. Really? Um, that's probably, yeah, that's true. Makes me sound real old. No. Um, I actually was your director, too, at one point in time. That's true, you were. Yeah, that didn't go very well. No, it didn't. <laughs> we won't talk about that. Yes, that's right. Uh, it did not go well. But um, the reason I want Jeff on the show is, one, for you listening, uh, I want you to hear his story. Um, but two, we've been having conversations over the last few months that have um, been really challenging for me and really exciting. And I thought, why don't we just continue those conversations on the podcast? So, um, Jeff, tell me or tell listeners, tell the whole world, all <laughs> three million listeners of this incredible podcast. Tell no. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Um, schooling. What have you been? Do what have you done with your life? And what are you doing now? Yeah. Um, uh it's so good to see you. It's really good to be on here. Um, so I was uh, born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, went to college in Omaha, Nebraska. So I'm a good old, you know, steak-loving, corn-eating uh, Nebraska kid. Um, uh, grew up in a very conservative Christian home. Um, went to college and then proceeded to, right after, right after college, Bible college actually, decided that I wanted to be a professional actor because that's a natural form of progression, right? Yeah. Um, and decided that I wanted to be a professional actor, so I was a professional actor, singer, um, not so much a dancer, actor and singer for about six or seven same, years. Same yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not pretty. Um, and then uh, after that, kind of found myself uh, being led into a different direction, into leadership, into business. Um, I kind of had an eye or a, or a passion for business and understanding people and what makes them tick and, and how to sell to them. So um, I moved to Chicago, um, decided that I wanted to be a manager of businesses and, and actually through that progression got, got hooked up with a really great uh, company and a great group of people. And they moved me to Washington, D.C. I've now lived in Washington for about four years. Um, uh, I got married last year. I've been with Keith. He's my husband. I've been together for 10 years now. No um, way. It's been that long. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, wow. Yeah, I know. We were trying to figure it out. And we were like 10 years that we like, we should get a plaque of some sort and put yeah. it out for, yeah. Um, but we just got married last August as well. Um, and, uh, uh, right now, I'm a regional manager for a retail company on the East Coast that we have a lot of fun. I get to travel all over the place. I get to come see you up in, up in Rhodey. So that's pretty fun. Um, yeah. yeah, and just leading, developing, kind of um, uh, living life and, and loving people. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Jeff um, in, was the one who uh, allowed me to work security at a gay bar back in <laughs> right. who knows when. 
Yeah, so. that was the first. That was the first company that I worked for. These guys wanted to open a bar, had no clue how to do it, and uh, um, I was uh, I was totally strapped. I got all the bartenders and I got all the systems together and ordered all the product that needed to be ordered. And then I was like, oh no, I need somebody to work doors. So I called up Nathan and I was like, hey, come work a uh, come work a doorman at my at my gay bar. And I think you had a good time, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you said to me too. Do you have any friends that are like large or big? <laughs> Because I need security. I need someone intimidating. But so I brought my six foot three buddy and Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I wasn't necessarily asking you, I guess, to be right, a doorman. I, know, like I was skinny five foot ten Nathan. <laughs> right. Um I was like, Do you have any friends that are like twice the size of you, please? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um so I know a bit of your story, especially like your coming out story and right. well, I mean, that was a part of our friendship even. Um and we can get into that later, but you said you grew up in a pretty conservative home. So what was that like um, as you were becoming aware of your sexuality and even like how did your family respond through that journey or how, how did that process go? I, I'm not even sure I know that whole story actually. Yeah, I don't know if I know that whole story actually. Um, no, uh, it's it's been a journey, and it's the journey's not over. You know, it's still continuing, and we're still still um, learning from each other and loving each other still through it all, and and arguing with each other as family does. But um, yeah, I did grow up in a very conservative Christian home. My father uh, was the Southern Baptist youth minister for a very long time, um, and then he took a job as a uh, director of Christian education at a, at a small Bible college, which actually ended up being the Bible college that I went to and got my degree. I had a double major in Bible and also in communication. So um, throughout that whole process, I mean, there wasn't ever a moment where I said, you know, oh, I think I'm gay. You know, it was, um, I think I first spoke that word when I was 13, when I, um, my first time that I came out to my parents. Um, But I think uh, when I started to say, I'm not going to live an inauthentic life and I'm going to be true to myself and be true to Jesus, um, I, that's when I was 28. So it was a 15 year long process, which, you know, obviously, as we know, you know, I knew you halfway through that, you know, or a little bit through that. Um, uh, you know, but when I initially came out to my, to my parents, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's ingrained in the back of my eyelids, but I remember, um, just sitting there and crying and just feeling like I was disappointing them. And, and feeling like I was disappointing God, uh, more importantly, because what I knew at the time or what I was told at the time was that who I was or who I knew to be inherently or who I, this thing that I could not fix and change was was wrong and was evil and it would get me to hell. Um, and I, I do want to point out that throughout the entire process and throughout the entire, in my entire life, I'm, I'm extremely lucky because my parents have never faltered in their love for me and I've never questioned their love. I've never um, been concerned with or, or worried or doubted their love or, or their best wishes for me. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, that, that 15 years from 13 to 28, I mean, what was that a, uh, what was what happened during that time? I mean, what was I that mean, journey? Was it? It was the like... best of times. It was the worst of times. Interesting. <laughs> um, uh, more worst of times. You know, there huh. there was there was a lot of there was a lot of self um, self hate. There was a lot of you know imposed 
kind of um, trying to be a different person and imposing upon myself a different identity than who I was. There was a lot of uh, performing to be a better person and the best, uh, the best Christian that I could be um, throughout all this. So, you know, I got involved with youth group. I, I think I was, you know, the youngest person to do anything at church. You know, um, I was a part of the worship team. I was a part of, um, you know, doing all these things and, and being a part of this community that I so valued, but at the, at the, at the base of it, still, I knew that they would not accept me if they knew the authentic self. Um, and then, you know, after you live that way for a while, there was a lot of, hate. And there was a lot of self-image problems. And so, you know, um, in college, uh, I struggled with thoughts of suicide and I struggled with depression and I struggled with, you know, how do I take my love for Jesus and my love for the church, which I think are two separate things and can be two separate things. And how do I take who I am inherently and this thing that I cannot change? And how do I, how do I make that all fit in this box together? Um, and what I finally realized is that it doesn't have to fit in a box together. It doesn't have to be the same. Um, it, it, what I've been told maybe maybe could be false. And, and what I've been told could not be reality and could not be truth. And so once I found my true self, then I was able to go back and investigate my love for Jesus and the love for the church. But first had to understand who I was and, and, and be authentic to myself. So there was a lot of like you know, lying, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not proud of it, but I, I lied to you, you know, I, I lied to my friends, I, I was not who I said I was, I would deny, you know, um, I would deny the, my true feelings of the fact that I was gay, I would deny the fact that, you know, I would try to overcompensate by so much, um, by doing, doing things, or dating girls, or, you know, saying things, or being a part of the team, and it was all a performance, and um, it got really tiring, and it became really pressing upon me, so... Um, no. Yeah, I think you brought up an interesting point. I feel like a lot of the friends that I know who happen to be gay or and that also grew up in the church world, you mentioned how um, you kind of left that community in order to reconcile who you are, what your experiences were, and and then allowed you to, I just forgot exactly how you phrased it, but, but come back to church or a faith tradition yeah, um, I feel that's that's a norm for a lot of people, or maybe it's not a norm, but it's a, it's a similar experience for a lot of individuals. Yeah, I think the trajectory of journeys is like that for a lot of LGBTQ people. Yeah. I think, um, and and it's you know the disclaimer is is that you are on your journey, and and it could look completely different. But you know the um, when I have talked to people, and especially youth today. Um, they're so much more confident about who they are, especially even even you know youth in the church. You know the the couple of Christian youth that I've met today that that um, they're so much confident about who they are, and they know um, that's no no longer tied. Their identity is no longer tied to the church, big C. Their identity is tied to Christ, and um, I think sometimes the message gets lost there, or it certainly did with me. Um, another another story that. Um, you know, one of the things I never doubted my parents' love, but there was a lot of fear around that too. There was, um, it was very fear-based. When I came out at 13, I thought I was not only 
losing my community and losing my parents and, you know, being excommunicated from everything that I had ever known and loved. Um, but also, you know, it, that was the late eighties. And so we were coming off of, you know, the big scare and, uh, and, and so what we knew at the time and what we, how we looked at, you know, LGBTQ people at the time was very fear-based and so it's because we didn't know, right? And it's because what we did know uh, about surrounding HIV and AIDS was was so negative, and and that was the only identity. So at thirteen and fourteen years old, when there's so many other things that are going on in my body, I was like, I just I don't want to die, you know, like that. It, and, and it sounds so silly to say that now, but really that was a genuine fear because I did not want to die because that's all I knew in in omaha in the late 80s yeah um i just dated myself didn't i but oh anyway that's fine we're, we're <laughs> all young yeah. yeah young at heart yep. I guess. young yep. young yep. years don't matter one of the stories that i share in my book because you you appear all the time and i changed your name <laughs> why i don't know why i changed everyone's name in the book but um that's all good i changed your name to your your we hus- would expect your husband's loyal, we, name. Of my all husband's things. name, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, mainly, yeah, good cover there, Nathan. I know, real good. It, mainly, so it was like I could keep my head straight around all the stories. Um, but one of the like key moments I think for me and our friendship um, happened two different times, six years apart, or maybe it was seven years apart. But when we met, we were both doing theater. You at the time weren't out to. Well, at least me. I don't know if you were out to anyone else. Yeah, no. Um, I think my I think my aunt in Missouri. I had told at one time, and then of course my parents knew um, that I was struggling with it and trying to change it. But yeah, but Um, and then that was and then six years later, I remember I was working in Tennessee, um, hmm. and I think you were still in Virginia, maybe. But I remember you calling me, um, or no, yeah, you called me and told me you were gay, and we kind of hung up the phone and went about life and saw each other. And then it was a few years after that where I remember you telling me that that phone call, you were really worried that we wouldn't be friends anymore because I was a Christian um, and that you felt um, as if, you know, in your experience at that moment, I would have ended the relationship. And so for me, that was very telling because that seemed to be your experience. Um, So I want to, I guess I just want to ask like, um, how common was that for you, that you were pushed away from relationships when you revealed your orientation? Right. Um, it's a great question. When I was, you know, when I was 27, 28, starting to realize that I wanted to live an authentic life and just weary, I think, more than anything of, of living a double life and feeling like I was lying not only to my parents and my friends and, you know, you and, and, and my family, but also God, you know, I felt like I was just lying. Um, when I started to come to that realization at the end of it, um, uh, there were, there were a couple of, you know, it felt very much like I was choosing one community over, over another, right? Um, it felt like I was saying, okay, well, I can't get rid of this gay thing. (laughs) Literally, that's what I said. Can't rid of this, get rid of this gay thing. So, um, I'm going to have to choose that because I can't, I can't get rid of it. And, you know, um, earlier that's, that's where the self-image problems came because it's like, well, if I can't get rid of this then I don't want to live with it because I don't want to live without God. And that's how I understood that I would like live. If I chose to be gay, quote unquote, if I chose to be gay, then I would be choosing to live without God and choosing to, you know, 
thumb my nose at God. And um, so that kind of went along with everything. And, and, you know, thinking back on that time, it was very confusing and it was very difficult. There were some times where I would tell people and they'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, talk to me three years ago. I, I, I get it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I told my brothers and my, my oldest younger brother, I have two younger brothers and, and my oldest younger brother, Vince, he, he pulled up a picture when I was a kid and I have these like rainbow suspenders on and they were my favorite suspenders that I wore every single day. And he was like, Jeff, really? Like we ever thought, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. You know, stereotypes are, are there, but, um, but then there, there were people that, you know, I still don't talk to me or don't want to, you know, engage with me over social media because, uh, you know, from my, from my Bible college days or from my childhood days. But in as much as that there are those people, there also are the people that I went to Bible college with that I still, you know, connect with on Facebook and other places. Um, uh, there are people that I see when I go back to Omaha that, you know, have been in my life for 30 years. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, in as much as there are those people, um, there, there are the ones that kind of buck the trend and at, at least the trend of the time. So it was pretty common. Um, you know, my, uh, my one side of my family, um, well, both sides of my, uh, both parents have very conservative, large Christian families. And, um, you know, ch- we were at church all the time. I remember church being part of, uh, you know, growing up and doing everything. Um, and so, you know, w- thinking about like when I go home for Christmas, what, what's going to happen when I go home from Christmas? And and they know this about me. And, and there was a lot of fear based around that. So going back to that fear concept, it, it was just really fearful. And um, I think when I called you, I was like, okay, I really like this guy. He's a good friend of mine, but I'm not going to lie to him anymore. I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be, uh, uh, living inauthentically. So he needs to know, and he deserves to know. And I, I felt like if I kept the expectation low, if I assumed right. that you yep. were, that you yes. were going to just, you know, you, you know, be, not be my friend anymore or not talk to me anymore, then I would be pleasantly surprised when you went above and sure. beyond that. Right. Sure. So that's kind of how it was. Yeah. I, I feel so of, of many of my friends, I feel you, I wish I could tell everyone your whole journey because I feel in our friendship, I've seen you evolve and change into such an incredibly healthy individual and you've become like so much more whole um, in the time that I've known you. And I think a lot of that is because you came out and you, like you kept saying, you decided to live an authentic life. And I see that, um, I just see a lot of health and wholeness in your life over the years. Do you, do you feel that's true? And, um, how do you, I mean, do you see that playing out in your life? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I am a much healthier, much happier person now. Um, I just spoke with my mom actually a couple of weeks ago and she was like, you know, I, I can tell that you're happy. I can tell that you, you, you're in love and I can tell that you're happy and I can tell that you, you know, you're, you're true to yourself. And that was a big step for me. That was really cool. But, you know, to, to my point earlier, if you live in fear for such a long time, and if you try to deny who you are for such a long time, that really messes you up. And it really, it, it, it manifests itself in other things. So it manifests itself in, in unhealthy behaviors with like things like, you know, alcohol or, or, you know, um, use of time or the way that you, the way that you even, you know, operate your friendships or, or the way that you have friendships and relationships and the way that you think about yourself. So, um, a much, much better place and a much happier place. One important conversation that I always go back to in our friendship 
and I comment a little bit about this in my book, but I remember when I was writing my thesis on sexuality and specifically the Bible and was looking at a pretty conservative scholar. I was doing what my book does, but looking at both kind of the, those big passages on that, that are used on homosexuality from both a progressive or revisionist viewpoint as well as a traditional or conservative viewpoint and presented all the information in my thesis. And I remember reading this one scholar who I thought was conservative, but like seemed to be a little more gracious than some of the other scholars that I felt were, in my opinion, just plain mean. Um, <laughs> and I remember being really kind of enamored by his work. And I remember sitting in your, going over to your apartment, sitting uh, in your living room and saying, you know, I found this new conservative scholar and uh, he's talking about Romans one and, and how, you know, homosexuality is a, is a, I forget exactly what I said, but how it's a, it's not God's plan and it's, it's a flawed thing. Um, and I, I thought I was like having this great moment of enlightenment and I go, <laughs> what do you think about that? And you were like, well, that interpretation really hurts me. And, and, and you found it like painful and difficult. And it just threw me for a loop because I thought, well, here I am, like, I'm, this guy's nice and loving he like talks about how he has a friend who died of AIDS and um and yet I was shocked that what I thought was a gracious thing or interpretation actually was painful for, to you I don't even know if you remember this conversation I do oh, okay I do but, I do um I, I remember exactly what my apartment looked like even I it's it's burned in my memory gotcha. yeah, I so like I I guess I just want to ask like as a gay individual as you hear a lot of these interpretations or Christians using the Bible uh, to speak out against you, um, how, why is it painful or how is it difficult and personal for you? Um, I guess I just want to say, like, if you remember that conversation, answer how you answered back then. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I think say, that was like 10 years ago. So <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Well, I, at the time, um, I didn't even know this until you wrote the book, uh, until I read the book, but, um, uh, at the time, I didn't know I was like dashing your hopes upon the, you know, <laughs> upon the. Stand it's totally of, fine. You know, you know, totally turning your thesis upside down. I didn't realize that I would that I was doing that. I, um, uh, I do remember you saying that, and I remember saying to myself, "All right, Jeff, just let him get through what his thought process is, yeah. because just let him say that." But, um, you know, you you touch on this a lot in your in your book, and and I think it's really really awesome, and and. I know we want people to go buy the book, but I'm going to tell them this part of it. Go so, for it. Um, uh, this, the, the part of your book that you, that you really focus on is if you are going to talk with LGBTQ people and if you're going to um, you know, show the love of Jesus to them, then you need to have relationship with them. And, I, and, and you talk about, I think it's, it's actually when you explain this story, you say, I wouldn't be able to have that conversation if, if Jeff and I were not, or Keith and I were not friends at the time. Um, and I think that's so true because had I heard that from somebody else, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, that's your opinion. Thank you. Move along. Right. But um, it goes both ways. Like I had, I, I had a friendship with you and I had, I had invested time and effort into our friendship and our relationship. So I wanted to make sure that you understood that, hey, listen, that hurt me. Um, very similar to some of the other people that you've had on the on the um, on the podcast already. You know, Jeff Creedy. You know, what you're talking about his his friend that was mm. in his dressing room with him. You know, there's that relationship that exists, so that so that therefore you can get past kind of the tough moments yeah. and the tough things. Um, 
anyway, but that particular um, interpretation, the reason the reason it, it bothered me and it hurt me personally was because it didn't go, it wasn't showing true grace and, and full grace and full love. He was saying, you know, um, you have to change who you are or the end goal or the end result of getting an LGBTQ person in the church was to change their behavior. And I think if that's your end result, then you're no, you're no better than the people that want you to change before you come to church, right? Um, and, and in my opinion, and that's how I felt it. And, and so it was very, very telling to me that, um, that it was almost halfway there. It felt like, no, full grace means full grace, unabashed. Full love means full love, unabashed. Yeah. Uh, Jesus loves us that way, and and the church is told to love people that way, others that way. So that's how that's how you need to be. Uh, that's how the church needs to be. So for me, that it seemed to be halfway, and yeah. it didn't seem to go far enough. Yeah, I remember when that was a pivotal moment in my in mm-hmm. my not only thesis writing, but just in my journey with this with this topic and even in my relationships, because I realized I was sitting, what I was doing was spending six, seven, eight hours a day in a cubicle hidden in a library writing my thesis. <laughs> so here I was, right? Like studying the Greek, studying the Hebrew, reading all these scholars on what these Bible verses say about sexuality. But that was for me one of the first moments where I brought this abstract idea into a relationship and it I mean, it would have been easy for me not to have that conversation with you and go on and write my thesis and think, well, that's what the smart people and the scholars believe, so there you go. But it changed all of that because I brought it to a good friend and said, this is what I'm learning. How do you, rec- like, how do you think about that? How should I think about it? And it became much more, I don't know, it just became much more holistic. And I think that, like you bring that up, that's a huge point in, in my book is when we have these abstract ideas about what the Bible says about this topic or about gay people in general, if they're abstract things, like it just, it become it so quickly becomes dehumanizing. Um, and so I think, yeah. And I think if we, if we didn't have the, if we didn't have a friendship behind us and I came to you and you're like, Hey Jeff, you're my gay friend. What do you think about this? And I used you as my token gay friend to tell me about the gay community. It would have, there was, there wouldn't have been a relationship. You know, and the community is so the community, but the you know LGBTQ people are so diverse, just like any other yeah, people group. Totally. Like everybody's so diverse. So like for me to talk about you know to be your token gay would be would be would be difficult. And um, also you know speaking about you know making sure that you you fight through the things that you disagree on and make sure that the relationships the foundation that was the biggest part about my parents too was. Um, I never doubted their love and I never doubted that I wanted to be in relationship with them. Yeah. So um, wanted to wanted to continue to fight through that and, and deal with that. So that's how interpretations change. Interpretation, the word interpretation is to interpret, right? Yeah. So interpretations change and, and when you when you kind of put them all together and you put them through the various filters of relationship and real life and also theology and and you know, studying the Greek and the Hebrew, if you put all those filters together, you'll get a better picture of right. what's 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 absolutely reality. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm gonna ask cool. a question about your parents. Just yeah. um, how have you like I don't know what my question is because this wasn't on my 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 list of 
questions I want to ask Jeff. Going off, going I'm going off. Up, I know. I when I go up, when I improv, it never, it usually tanks. So <laughs> I've actually seen it. Yeah, you, it's not very good. It's actually not very good. Um, but your your relationship with your parents. I mean, have there been key moments where you thought this relationship is going to end? And have there been key moments or events or conversations where you say this, I will fight to keep this relationship together? Um, can you share a little bit about that? Because I, I've known a lot of friends that just have dismissed their parents or their parents have dismissed them. And so the relationship is done, but I know others and others that have great relationships. And then there are a lot kind of this in between where it's tense or, um, the parents are trying to understand, but they don't, or there's a lot of frustration and tension. Um, so I kind of want to just ask you, yeah, ask you that, like kind of share some of that, some of that story. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a really great question. It's, it's huge, but, um, if I could pare it down, I, I guess I would say that there were moments, there were moments where, um, you know, really dark moments where I would look at myself and I say, I don't know if I can continue with this relationship. If I'm going to live authentically, we're at an impasse here. And I would, I would say not to speak for my mom and dad, but they definitely had, I could tell that they were having those moments as well. Um, I, I think there were, um, there were many times where we would come together and we would discuss things and we discuss, you know, this is where I'm at now. And this is, you know, um, for so many years I, I was in reparative therapy and I, and I tried to change and pray the gay away. And I tried to change as much as I could. And, and I went to Bible school and I, and I had all the knowledge, but my heart said something different. Uh, you know, myself, my true self, my authentic self said something different than, than the knowledge of the Greek and the Hebrew and everything. And so, um, in the same way that I was trying to do that with my parents of like, I knew that I loved them and I wanted a relationship with them, but, there were times where it just got to be, there's so much between us and there's so much that we disagree on. And if you disagree and say that my authentic self is, is wrong and bad, then I don't know if we can continue in relationship. And to my parents' credit, they have both been incredibly gracious and said, we don't know this either. There's no manual for this. There's no, like your son comes out and like, uh, you know, big gay fairy doesn't come and plop a book of like how to's in your lap and and say how to do it. So, um, uh, you know, to their credit, they've, they've also struggled and worked very hard to have a relationship with, with, with me as well. And also now my husband. So, you know, they were at my wedding last year. Um, they were supportive. They were happy. They were in the front row. Um, uh, and, and they continued to, to, uh, bring Keith into our family and, um, and, and continue to work on this relationship. And like I said, it's a journey that will not end because relationships are growing, living, ugly, beautiful things. And, and you got to constantly put time and effort into it. So, um, we're continuing to do that. But yes, there were, there were moments where, um, you know, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't have hope for the relationship, but I'm really glad that, you know, over time you've kind of, you kind of understand that you're, you can be, you can be confident in the fact that the relationship will continue. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That I love that you're, how you describe relationships, that they're ugly, growing, beautiful, yeah. messy. Um, yeah. Cause, so we're, cool. Cause we're people and we're flawed and, you know, people are flawed and, and, um, we're not perfect. And, and, you know, so naturally our relationships with each other won't be perfect either. So what would be, this is my last question, but what would be your, if you had to say anything to the broader 
heterosexual Christian community that's listening. I mean, as a gay individual, um, wow. you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. Yeah, no. Um, uh, I think the, the main thing that I would say and the main thing that I say, you know, to, um, uh, to family members or to people that challenge me, um, I just say, you know, let's go to the root of what the gospel story is. And, you know, if, if you're, if I'm speaking directly to the, the church as a whole, what is the gospel story? What is the gospel? What did Jesus tell you to do above everything, above anything else is to love one another. Right. And then the love your God. Um, and, and if that's the base, if you're, if you're, if you're doing that, I think everything else grows from there. Um, regardless of what society and cultural pressures are put on, um, put on you as, you know, in the church, I think that if you, you build on that, that place of love and place of, uh, forgiveness, um, then, then everything else should be common sense. And if you're truly looking at that, um, it might, it might help inform some of your other relationships too. Another thing I would say is is um, everybody needs to take a chill pill. Life is fun, you know. Life is have a good time, you know. Man, like you know, we have one life to live, so everybody just take a deep breath and and love love on people, and and the rest will follow. I hope. That's I love it. That's that's how we got to end. Just okay. take a chill pill and love people. Uh, that's awesome. So, Jeff, thank you for um, yeah, thank you for spending some time and my pleasure. Um, bud. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. So here's to life being all about relationships. Here's to being actors, roommates, and friends. Here's to all of us being our authentic selves. And here's to the why behind the what. Cheers.